something that comes out of our deep inside of us. And, and also, there's, this day is significant to me. I see so many different glimpses of Jesus' ultimate return. So we have comfort today in the second coming of Jesus. Jesus came, Jesus is here, and he's coming again. So this is, if you're, if you're new, you're trying to put some of these things together, but for the rest of us, I'm asking God would awaken us. That was what was happening on that day in the first century when Jesus was coming in. There was an awakening, a reality that opened up. There was a, a revelation of the majesty of Jesus. And he revealed his glory in order to receive glory. Everything that Jesus did was purposeful. He, he pulled the curtain back that day. He opened up something. He revealed his glory in order to be glorified, in order to open up something in the earth. And when, Jesus, when people see Jesus, they're awakened. There's something that's turned on inside of them. So I'll give you a little bit of perspective, a little bit of backdrop. So last week, John Lux spoke about the Passover. So we're, we're in uh, the book of Exodus in a series right now. And he talked about this time where the entire nation of Israel came out of Egypt. They had been slaves there. And this, uh, uh, the last plague that came when the firstborn died, those that had the blood of sacrifice on the posts of their houses, the death angel passed over them. And this became a celebration that happened. It was one of the major celebrations that happened in the nation of Israel. So <clears throat> this festival is going on this week, this beginning of the week here, in, uh, as we look in, in the New Testament, and everyone is gathered. Anybody that could make it into Jerusalem has come into town. They've, this is a huge event. This is their, their place where they're, they're coming in to celebrate. Now, where is this in the life of Jesus? His ministry began when he was 30, and he spent three years, and he's been healing the sick, casting out demons, performing miracles, signs and wonders. He's walked on the water. This uh, awareness of, of this amazing being has been, uh, he's been doing all of these things. And now, and he's also been investing in his disciples. So this is coming at this climax of his life. Now, where in the New Testament is this? In Matthew 21 to 27, Mark 11 to 15, Luke 19 to Luke 23, John 12 to John 19, <clears throat> 25 chapters of the New Testament focus on this week. There's just a couple of references to the birth of Jesus. And we have 25 chapters on this week. So this is not a small thing. This is a huge part of the message of the Gospels, of what, we're, what God is uh, speaking to us, what his disciples gathered, the story that they were telling. And where is this in Old Testament prophecy? We see it in Psalm 118. It's going to be quoted, and I'll talk about it a little bit later. But this is the passage, Zechariah 9.9. It says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly, 
and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So there's, there's prophecy that focuses on this moment. And where are the Jewish people? In 33 AD, approximately, this date could be debated a little bit, but the Jewish people, so, so I'm, I'm just laying this whole backdrop of this moment that we're coming into. Why was there this massive reaction that happens as Jesus steps out in this way? Well, they've been at a 400-year wait. The last prophecy in Malachi, very, this is the last book of the Old Testament, the last prophecy is saying there is one who's going to come. In the first verse, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. So it's saying, again, there's, during this period of time, there have been no prophets. This is a, uh, a season that is a quiet season in the nation. And they've been suffering under foreign power. So they've, they've, they've kind of come to the end of this long downward path for the nation. And they're now, uh, they've under, been, we're under the Persians, now they're under the Greeks, and they have a desperate desire for a Messiah, for someone that's going to come back and make everything right. And in their mind, this Messiah, it's, it's not just thinking of an individual being saved. They see their land being healed. They have, a, they have a holistic, comprehensive view of this Messiah, of this salvation. So they, they see their land becoming fertile, their sicknesses being healed. There's a, a, someone that's been praying over their city that they would have a cancer-free zone over their city. They're, they see disease being pushed away from them. And... They see the difficulty, the pain of life, everything wrong being made right. Their family's problems being resolved. Their marriage is healed. Their loneliness. Everything they're hoping for in this world is kind of hinged on this Messiah that's coming. And he's, he's not just any person. He's the one that's going to rule with complete sincerity complete trust, selflessly, impartially, with total justice. The leader who has our complete trust. So, a little bit of expectation in this moment. What's about to happen? What's about to happen is the curtain is being pulled back. So let me read from John chapter 12. Just before this, we have this scene we, we did it in worship where Mary is Mary's getting a revelation of Jesus and his value, and she pours this oil on his feet and wipes it with her hair. I mean, this is, this is not a sensual response. This is a deep response of worship that she has. So, in the 12th verse, the next day the crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey, so we saw it prophesied, 
in that passage in Zechariah and sat on it as it is written. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. So up to this point in time, miracles are happening. I mean, there's, people are astounded. We've got flash mobs being created around Jesus. This, you know, 5,000 people showing up. He's multiplying bread. His disciples have seen him speak to nature, and it backed down. He's challenged the religious leaders, and the people have said, he's, he's got an authority that our leaders don't have. And they're saying, could this be it? Could this be it? Could all of the former glory of David's kingdom, they look back in time, and they say, are we going to get back to our pinnacle point? So it's at this point in time. Up to this point in time, Jesus said, it's interesting. Up to this point in time, Jesus has been, been saying, be quiet. He performs a miracle. He says, don't tell anybody. Man's born blind. He's, he gets his sight. Jesus walks away. The guy doesn't even know what happened, doesn't even know who to say did this. A man is healed of leprosy. He doesn't know what's happened. Who is this person? Then, boom, Jesus says, now is the time. The leaders come up to him and try to stop him. In Matthew 21, 16, so there's four different places. I'm in John primarily, but in Matthew, they come up to him and say, do you hear what these children are saying? These children are blaspheming. They're, they're quoting these verses. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What does Jesus say? Have you never read from the lips of children and infants? You, Lord, have called forth your praise. And in Luke 19, the Pharisees have seen another uh, reference to this thing. The Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Stop this. This is ridiculous. And he says, this cannot be stopped. There's no way this can be stopped. If these people stop, everything in creation is going to start screaming right now. The rocks are going to cry out. So Jesus pulls back the curtain. He purposefully, for the first time, reveals his glory publicly. Now, a few people had gotten a glimpse of this up to now. You see his disciples becoming aware of him. And in, in Matthew 16, Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Martha understood Mary gets a lot of press, you know, but Martha understood in John 11. She said, yes, Lord, I believe. Jesus has just said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And she says, I believe. You are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. 
So some people have gotten this, and now it's totally public. The crowds are shouting this. What are they saying? Hosanna! I'm going to sing this. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. All right? You want to do that with me? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. One more time. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, what's going on here? They're quoting Psalm 118. Again, way down deep in them is this messianic thing that's going on. They're, they're, this thing they've been reflecting on, and this is right here in Psalm 118.25. It says, Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the feastal procession up to the horns of the altar. So there's this, this thing happening that's never happened before. The people are shouting this out. They're living out this scriptural promise. And it's I, a revelation of God. See, this is something deep in my imagination. So I'll say this again and again and again. But <clears throat> Jesus said many times, the kingdom of heaven is near you. We see this reality in the Bible of supernatural beings. This is, we should not be freaked out by this. Everything that is seen was created out of what was unseen. Genesis chapter 1. The Holy Spirit was hovering over the earth. There was, it was formless and without void, and everything was created out of the spoken word of God. In <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 11, it says that there's a, a throng of witnesses that surrounds us. They can see us. So there is a, a veil between us and them, between everything that is in time and that which is outside of time, that which is eternal. And the invisible can see the visible, but the visible cannot see the invisible. Okay, I'm just telling you the spirit realm is real, and there's a veil between us and them, and if this is one of those points in time where it's gotten really thin, and the reality of the person of Jesus, what heaven sees, earth is seeing at this moment. This, that the creator God is here, the fulfillment of everything. And this psalm is interesting. It says, Lord, save us. And uh, so we have this word, Hosanna, that is, it's become a, a worship word. It's kind of a, a prayer word. But what does it mean? It's, it's really, literally, a cry for help. Save us. Now, it's interesting, in this, and this is, I am not the... Hebrew student, I have a friend who has a doctorate that spent his life studying this passage, and he draws out this information in Hebrew. So we have the word <coughs> Yoshia, or which is Joshua, or Jesus, it means salvation, in a, in a, in a request, it's save us, it's actually, it's okay, again, transliteration, Going to do a little Hebrew with you, all right? I'm, this is going to be worth it. 
So the word hoosia is this cry for salvation. And if you want to make it really strong, you say at the end, na. Hoosia, na. That means really save us. Lord, save us. But if you want to make it like over-the-top crazy, you're saying, where am I here? I printed on two sides of the page. (laughs) You say, na, ana, na, Yahweh, This is what the sailors said to Jonah when the boat was going down. Save us! It's all over. Save us. This is what Hezekiah said when he got the death sentence and his face was to the wall. Ana, na, Yahweh, hoosia, na. It means save everything. Do The full salvation. Come, Messiah. Make everything right. Bring this salvation to earth and transform everything and make it right again. Hosanna. This was what was in the hearts of the people when Jesus started coming down. They're saying, Savior, Messiah, come in your full glory. Make this, tie this whole thing up again. Bring this to closure, all this pain, all this desperation. Really, completely save us. So I'm going to take a a little turn here. This is, you know, we're looking back in time. But if we look forward in time, this is what the second coming should be in our lives. We're going, there's going to be a time when this is all over. There's going to be a time when there's no more tears, when injustice is fully dealt with, that the one who is righteous and just completely brings down what is accurate and honest and true. Revelation 21 says, he'll wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Isaiah 40, prophesying, every valley shall be raised up, every place of depression Every place of brokenness, every low place, every disappointment raised up again. The rough ground become level. The rugged places made a plain. Every mountain and hill made low. Every place of arrogance and pride. Every, every place of one person pushing another down and devaluing them. It will, it's going to come down. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. No more wars. No more mental illness. No more addictions. No more greed. No more lust. No more perversion. No more hatred. Jesus. There should be something in us, just like these people on Palm Sunday, is saying, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We have an expectation. We should have something that raises us up above the mundane of this life. 
that raises up above our financial difficulties, that raises up us up above the goals that we have, that just puts something inside us and saying, there's one who is coming and he's going to make everything right. So this is this people. They're at the beginning of the week. And it's, this is not the only thing that happens. This is, Jesus teaches all day. He's in the temple saying amazing things. He's debating with the religious leaders. There's awe that's coming. And it's like the hope is just getting higher and higher and higher. Everything they've hoped for. And I just want to tell you, get your hopes up. God, Jesus led them into this place, revealed himself, and he said, get your hopes up. When we're looking at the second coming, you know, we can think in our minds, yes, this person said that, I don't know about this prophecy. And Jesus, I believe he's saying, get our hopes up again. Be strong in hope. Be strong in hope this week. Be strong in expectation of the person of Jesus being revealed for who he is. Now, many of you know what happens next. What a fantastic juxtaposition. The greatest revelation in history, potentially the greatest hope in history, is followed by the cross. Where would you be if you were the disciples in the middle of this? And you're just thinking, it's all over. And now they're saying, it's all over. Let's just go a couple more verses in John chapter 12. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground, this is verse 24, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. All of this hope and all of this expectation meets a God who sacrifices himself. And again, you know, there's so many things in our lives that we're thinking, I want this salvation. I want someone to resolve everything. And make, it, make it good for me. And Jesus says, it's the cross. This is confusing. But what we would not have a God who loves us 
if we didn't have a God who laid his life down. If we got only the God who was the champion who beat the devil, but who didn't completely humble himself, then we wouldn't, we would all be walking around just building our own exclusive club. We're the ones that are in. We have this salvation. This is what the church has done so often. This is what the nation of Israel did so often. It's like, we're the in crowd. But the promise in Genesis chapter 12 was you will be blessed so that you will be a blessing. The salvation is not just for you. The salvation is so that your family will be saved. The salvation is so that our city will be saved. It's not, it's not just this personal, individual thing. This is a moment where we're praying, Jesus, be revealed in our lives. Not just I have this own experience in my life. This salvation changes us. There's a verse in 1 John chapter 3. And, and here's the point of this verse. When you see him, you'll fall in love with him and you'll be changed. Okay? When you see him, you'll fall in love with him and you will be changed. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we will see him as he is. When he appears, we're changed. So I want to just finish with a couple of points here. And I, <clears throat> as amazing as this moment was for all these people, seeing Jesus come into town, Many of them were thinking <clears throat> about a small salvation. And I, I just want us today to be delivered from a small salvation. This is, this is just about me. It's so much more than that. This, is, this experience was about people falling in love with Jesus. This salvation was coming, this week was about him being seen. And salvation was caught up in that. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus' death on the cross covers you. You come to him gladly and receive it, but let's, let's say, Lord, would you make this a place where you are revealed in our lives? And revealed in this city. Well, this week, would you do a Palm Sunday thing this week that just pulls the curtain back? The people that were around, we know they're broken. People in your family, you know the relationships are right, are not right. Lord, open up our eyes and let us see you. Bring this salvation. I want us to, to stand right now, and, and, and we're gonna worship a little bit. I may not have done a, as clear a job as I could, but I, what I'm just grasping for 
is the depth of awareness of this moment in time that we see in Scripture and on asking Jesus to do it again. Every awakening in history has been something tied to this type of revelation where the curtains pulled back and people see Jesus for who he is. Something breaks through. And there's, there's a hunger here. But it's a little bit scary. Do you want to hope again? Do you want to extend yourself out there again and hope that Jesus will do phenomenal things? If you've been around the mountain a few times, you've kind of learned to meter your, your response and kind of get your hopes down just a little bit. You know? And I'm just, I'm saying, Lord, get our hopes up again. Get our hopes up in an expectation of a revelation of Jesus. Get our hopes up again, Lord. Get a Palm Sunday thing going in our lives. Where we're crying out, Hosanna. Where we're, we're longing for this thing to be seen. So as we worship, it's, I, I want it to, to be prayer erupting in our hearts. Wherever you're going this week, you're just saying, Hosanna. Jesus, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Do this, Lord, in our lives. Would you, would you put a great hunger for your beauty in us, Lord? So let's let's worship for a little bit here. And I I don't I don't know how to call us to response. Except to, for, to, to put this desire in us, Lord. Do this. Open our eyes. Let us see you.